Wesley Brownlee, known as the Stockton serial killer, has now been charged with seven murders and one attempted murder. The murders have been linked by ballistics. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey everybody, welcome to the True Crime Squad. I'm Christy Brower, here with my sister, co-host and partner in crime, Katie Weaver. Hey Katie. Hello. How's it going? Oh, it's going and going, you know. Right. <laughs> We're early in the early in January of 2023, right at the beginning of our fourth season here. Really trying to hit the ground running. I, yes. Really absolutely. Trying. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of hard not to when you see how mm. much is going on in the world right now. It's a lot. It was almost weird to be on break. It was weird to be on break and see crime things happening and be like, we should be talking about this. Yes. Mm. Yeah. We're missing a beat. Yeah. Did some shorts on some of yes. them. And so that's one reason why we're doing shorts is to help us to stay caught up because people are always like, well, what about this case? Or what about, and we're like, holy crap, there are not <laughs> enough hours in the day, not enough episodes in a week to cover yeah. everything. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. All right. Well, this is our Tuesday episode, and I know, Katie, you are just itching to kick us off with some mm-hmm. WTF news. Mm-hmm. So I do want to give you a trigger warning that this case does deal with injury to an animal. Mm-hmm. And we typically, a lot of times, don't cover animal abuse episodes uh, or cases because they are so wildly upsetting. Uh But this one does have a happy ending, so I decided I was going to go ahead and cover it. But trigger warning, this is, uh, it does deal with an injured animal. So I'm going to show you a quick picture here. Oh, gosh, I thought I was. Oh, yeah, here we go. Okay. Yes. Also, not just an injured animal, but an injured chihuahua. And if you know us at all. Yes. Our family, we have fleets of chihuahuas we in all of our homes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a little guy that looks quite a lot like this poor old dude. You sure do. So this happened last Monday. A 15-year-old girl was walking down the street in Chicago, walking her dog. He is 12 years old. His name is Bebe or Bibi. Mm-hmm. And 
she was walking down the street with her dog when this insane lady comes running at her. This is Jeanette Olivo mm. running at her, stabbing her dog. What? With a knife. Oh my God. Stabbing him. Oh. And this girl, who is not to be trifled with, punched her in the face. And once she got her down on the ground, kicked her good and grabbed her dog and ran into the house. Good. And was able to get veterinary care for him. Uh, thank goodness the, the teenager was not stabbed, just the dog. Like, what the hell? The hell, yeah. Yeah. And this tiny um, chihuahua, like, what could he have possibly done? Right? He's a teeny guy. <laughs> Yeah, so neighbors saw this happening, heard the screams, and came out and helped uh, subdue her until the police got there. And, of course, they did get BB uh, uh, to the vet, and he has had to have extensive surgery, but he is going to be okay. okay. Uh, it missed most of his major organs, the stabbings. Uh, his diaphragm was damaged, so he did have to have a surgery. He's 12. Yeah. He's an old dude. Yeah. So a police officer, a Chicago police officer, recognized that uh, this was going to be a real hardship on this family. These vet mm -hmm. veterinary bills were immense. Oh, man. And, you know, when there's other kinds of crimes, like the Crime Victims Fund will step in and help and stuff. And But I don't know if they will for an injured animal. I'm not really sure how that works. But he felt mm -hmm. like this was going to be extensive and a really hard thing for this family to bear. So he reached yeah. out to a rescue that he knew in town, and they partnered. This is the Gerardo Stray Rescue Foundation. Mm -hmm. And they partnered with the police as well as with another rescue. And they crowdfunded and managed to raise enough money to pay for all of BB's surgical care. Oh, wow. That's yep. amazing. Yep. They posted on Facebook on Wednesday, we did it together, we saved Bibi. At the end, one person committed an unforgivable crime, but you all stepped up to help. Incredibly amazing and heartwarming, turning this horrific experience into something positive. It is good to remember that there are way more good people than bad in this world. It doesn't always mm -hmm. feel that way, but that really is the truth. Yeah, so Bibi is home and resting comfy and in the arms of his family. And his poor sister is very traumatized by what happened. My God. But she's going to be okay. And I hope she takes a lot of peace in the fact that she fought back. I hope so, too. Good for her for punching that woman in the face. Any uh, word on motive or criminal charges against this lunatic? Oh, yeah. She's got a slew of charges, but I, I have more on her as well. Hmm. Yeah, the charges. Let's see. Let me get back to it. The charges were... Felony aggravated cruelty to animals and a misdemeanor count of aggravated assault uh, with use of a deadly weapon. Mm. You know, because while she did uh, attack the dog, she was still attacking the human as well that had right. the dog on a leash. I mean, that that, that has to come into play. Uh, sure. She had a $25,000 bond set. But in researching this case, her name came up in a different article. Hmm. A year ago, in December, so like almost 12 months to the nose, mm -hmm. she was in trouble in Nashville. 
same lady, for walking into Tequila's Mexican restaurant and acting weird. And a manager walked over to her and she said, I have a bomb under my jacket and I'm going to kill everyone in the restaurant. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm. Some customers heard that and fled the restaurant, of course. Right. And the bomb squad and police got there and it turned out there was no bomb whatsoever. So she's uh, mm. a long-term problematic individual, obviously, but sounds like it. enough to put her behind bars for a while because she should not be loose on the community any longer. No, or in a hospital getting treatment, something. Yes. Mm-hmm. Something is not right with her, but that does not mean that she has the right to go around behaving like this and hurting. No, her. that's terrible. God, how terrifying to be the manager of this restaurant. Oh, yeah. Yikes. Well, no, I'm glad that BB's okay. In. Yes, thank goodness BB's okay. And he's and gonna... that his sister is okay too, but I really feel for her. That's got a really, yeah. you know, that's some major trauma. Yeah. How terrifying. Yep. So there you have it. That's our WTF. Wow. All right. Well, well I'm going to kick the mic back over to you for our main case. All right. Our main case today is an update in the Wesley Brownlee situation. Wesley Brownlee, you may remember, because we have reported on him before, is the alleged Stockton serial killer. Mm-hmm. He was arrested a few months ago, excuse me, and charged with um, three murders and an attempted murder. Yeah. Well, that has now risen to seven murders mm-hmm. in San Joaquin County and Alameda County in California. So Stockton and Oakland are where all of these um, uh, murders have been, have occurred. And we had wondered then when he was arrested, mm-hmm. were they going to be able to connect some more deaths to him? And unfortunately, right. yes, quite yeah. a lot. So um, we do know now that he was using a ghost gun and that these murders have been connected by um, ballistics. Yeah. They have also though been connected by his cell phone data, his GPS cell phone pings actually put him in the locations of these murders at the times of the murders as well. So they have, Mm -hmm. they have quite a bit on him now. Mm -hmm. We have learned a few things about him. Because when this first happened, you know, everybody was like, holy shit, who is this guy? Let's, yeah, what's been going on with this man, you know? Mm-hmm. And so a few things we know about him. He grew up in Oakland, California. And he, uh, in May of 1994, he was arrested along with a couple of other boys for sexually assaulting a 14-year-old girl. Oh. Um. I don't know what the outcome of that case was. That's a juvenile case. So we won't know. Um, He had always claimed innocence and blamed his friends, but um, that was in interviews with a juvenile probation officer because he, he did end up on probation. Uh Um, In 1995, when he was 16, his brother, Dale, who was 17 at the time was shot and killed during what was called a drug related shooting. And that was never solved. Okay. Six months prior to that, uh, Wesley's close friend, Kogo Upshaw, 
who was 18 at the time, was also stabbed to death in the same area. Oh, gosh. Also in what was considered a drug-related crime. Neither of those crimes ever were solved. And it does appear that things really went downhill for Wesley after his brother's death. Um, In 97, when he was 18, he was arrested for possessing crack cocaine. He went, he was sentenced to three years of probation, but then ended up in prison um, for a while because he violated his probation. He's been in, in prison several times for selling crack. Um, He's also had some other infractions and he's had a DUI, but it sounds like he really um, struggled a lot. He, Interestingly, he was the places where he was caught with selling crack cocaine, basically in the same place where his brother was killed. Uh He's kind of repeating a pattern that has occurred in his family. There's still very little known about his motive or why he's done the things that he's done. He's really not talking at all, Mm. which is kind of strange for a serial killer they usually you know like to toot their own horns quite a Uh lot he is not doing that there's really they don't know anything about his motive um you know five of his victims were hispanic we don't know if that was related at this point he's not saying that it was right the pattern is kind of patternless right i mean well the only pattern is that that they were all experiencing homelessness at the time that they were killed. Okay. Um, And the woman that he shot also was experiencing homelessness. She just Mm -hmm. stepped out of her tent. He was standing right there and he shot her several times. She managed to get away and, and survived. Yeah. But um, the pattern really is that he was prowling the streets at night, um, attacking people when they were alone in poorly lit places. Mm Mm-hmm. There was a case like this not that long ago out of Washington, D.C. and New York City. Yes. One person that, you know, was traveling between the two. But right. the, the prowling on the homeless is just it's, it's awful, so unthinkable. I mean, it's, it all is, but the most vulnerable people in our society. Right. Oh. Yeah, wow. it really, it's very unsettling. Mm-hmm. Um you know, when people who are so very vulnerable are also, um, you know, being targeted like this. When the police caught him, we still don't know how the police found him. We know there was a tip of some sort Uh that got him, that got the police interested in him Uh and surveilling him and were following him. Uh at the time that they arrested him and they believed that he was out looking for his next victim and that they prevented another death when they arrested Mm -hmm. But there's a lot we still don't know. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. very strange because he's not talking at all. Mm -hmm. Usually by now you've learned a few things and, you know, we've learned a little bit about his background and a little bit about his family, but there's nothing yet about his motivation, but he's gotten out of seven murders. Mm -hmm. There um, murders in Chicago that were similar, similar MO. And that's one thing that um, authorities have been looking into and actually working with authorities in Chicago. They have now ruled him out on those murders. So, 
but we don't know. You know, he was working as an over-the-road trucker for a while before uh-huh. he was arrested. Super scary because we know that that's believed to be the yeah. number one occupation of serial killers is long-haul yeah. truckers. That's exactly why I wondered if that's why he's not talking. Mm-hmm. Because Just they're nowhere near done. Because there are other states with other yeah. cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's quite possible. So he is charged um, now in seven murders. It's in two different counties. Although I think San Joaquin County is kind of leading the, because the, most of his charges are in from the Stockton area. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of them, you know, include owning a ghost gun mm-hmm. and using that gun. There are enhancements for there being multiple murders. Sure. There's a lot. The The charging paperwork is 11 pages long. I'm not going to read oh, it because wow. it's, it's very repetitive and it, it's all the sure. same stuff. But he's got seven. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. First degree murder and one attempted murder charges against him now, plus the firearms charges. Yeah. So we shall see. I mean, I don't know. I don't know when this will really go to trial because. Yeah, it's going to be a minute. Yeah. Are they still looking? They may be still oh, that they are. Yeah. To determine, yeah, are there more cases? And I, I remember when we first covered this that we had said we really think uh-huh, be more. Um, that there's going to be more. His arraignment mm-hmm. on these new charges is actually on the third on Tuesday, so that's coming uh-huh. up. And I don't know; it's just very strange. There's so many questions. Um, you know, he was deemed to have a developmental disability, a, le- a learning disability, when he was a kid. Um, when things started getting bad for him, his mom tried to get him help. She got him into counseling and she tried, especially after his brother died. Sure. There, she made some attempts to help him because she recognized that things were not good for him. Yeah. But I, I mean, yeah, obviously that didn't, wasn't but here enough. We are. Yeah. But here we are. Yeah. Yeah. But oh, it does but... make me wonder, like, I don't, because the, his brother's murder and his friend's murder were never solved. We don't know anything really around those those situations. Like, does that have something to do with who he was shooting? Or is this generally just a, you know, random, I come across somebody who's alone in the dark kind of yeah. situation. It kind of just seems like that, that it's just, mm-hmm. he doesn't really care who it is as long as it's somebody. Just really unfortunate. Sure um, seems like it. Wow. And, really you know. Sad. Yeah. You know, obviously the community in Stockton and they're in um, Oakland, both are kind of reeling at this point yeah. that a serial killer has been functioning in their community for this long. Yeah. And, you know, do we even know yet if this is all of them? So yeah. we'll continue wow. to update uh, as, as more things come out. I, I still am very curious to hear what he has to say, but it sounds like he's got nothing to say at this point. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So that's where we stand with Wesley Brownlee and we'll keep updating as we go. 
yeah. long. You know, he has court on this week and he will, you know, continue to have more. And as his trial comes up, we'll, we'll report on that as well. Yeah. This is a, um, an important one to just be aware of and also to always remember over the road truckers and not that all over the road truckers are serial killers. They're not. Of course but, not. But historically. Is, yeah. The, the anonymity mm-hmm. of it is scary. And, is. you know, the intention to remain anonymous using a ghost gun is one of those ways that people, right? you know, can remain anonymous for a long time. When they don't In a world where it's gotten anymore. a lot harder to be anonymous. Mm-hmm. It has, and he's managed to stay off the radar for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Katie, I know you have a little bit of uh, breaking news for us. Yeah. A while ago, we brought a few reports to you guys about the struggles going on with the Idaho Department of Justice surrounding uh, enacting the death penalty. Yes. We actually talked about multiple states and their challenges. Uh, We talked about Oklahoma. We've talked about others. Well, we also talked about the fact that Lori Vallow's team is prepared to argue the constitutionality of the death penalty, not just in relation to Lori, but in relation to anybody. Mm -hmm. Because the death penalty is no longer being carried out in uh, the way that the Constitution had intended. All of that being said, yet another uh, conversation about the death penalty has come up in another state that I felt like was really interesting. I think these are really important conversations to have. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to share this. This is an article that came out uh, from off the AP. The title grabbed me. Report shines new light on execution secrecy in Tennessee. Ooh, Mm. that sounds like the uh, execution secrecy in Idaho. Sure does. Illegal and questionable things that were happening in Idaho in order to get a hold of death penalty drugs, right? Because here's what we know. A lot of drug manufacturers have said, no, we aren't selling you our drugs to put people to death. We are in the business of healing and helping, not in the business of putting people to death. We don't want it. So it's made it really, really hard for states who use uh, injection, lethal injection, as a way mm-hmm. to execute to carry out injection or executions. Now, interestingly, Tennessee also still has the uh, uh, electric chair, really? which is interesting because most states don't anymore. Nearly all states in the union anymore are just lethal injection, but right. now are kind of looking at what else do we do? Cause we can't do that. You know, and some States have said, we're not doing it. Like California, their governor, Gavin Newsom said, we are not executing anybody. This is wrong. And we don't, if we have to go to these means that that's a good sign. There's something up. Right. Right. So in Tennessee, of course, they had a hard time getting a hold of drugs mm-hmm. and there's been, some sketchy stuff go on that prompted the governor to order a big report. He wanted a big study on what's going on with the justice system uh, in regards to uh, 
the death penalty. Now, he had already issued a stay over COVID that should have started to, uh, you know, come off now. Mm -hmm. But he asked for a pause and a study because some things seem to not be right. This is Governor Lee. Mm -hmm. So here's what some of the things they discovered that uh, have triggered some real red flags. First of all, they found uh, in this report, they of course were uh, uncovered a lot of emails and text messages. And one of the text messages was a conversation between a couple of prison officials discussing the possibility of obtaining their drugs from a veterinarian. Oh, mm -hmm. that is not legal. No. And it's really concerning because uh, these are human beings. They're not animals and it doesn't follow any kind of protocol to purchase no. medication from veterinarians to be used on human beings, whether they're sentenced to the death penalty or not. Mm -hmm. Uh, this was the text. What are your thoughts on acquiring it through a veterinarian? They sometimes have better access to it since it's widely used for euthanasia in animals. The employee responded, how would that even work? And the first official responded, they buy the stuff by the case. Hmm. Okay. Eventually they scrapped that plan because they decided that uh, it might not be logistically sound. Okay. Uh, or even, I don't know, legal? Mm -hmm. Hello? Yeah. So they put a single employee in charge of procuring the drugs who has no medical background whatsoever, which also violates the state's, the state's lethal injection rules. And yet that's what has been done. What the hell, man? They also have required tests for uh, drugs. Bef when a drug is procured, before it can be used, it has to be tested. Like if you have a bottle of phenobarbital, it has to be tested before it can be used on a person. Sure. Well, that didn't happen for seven executions. Oh, God. Basically, uh, kind of alluding to the fact that the uh, employee that was in charge of these things didn't know what the hell they were doing. Right. So none of those things did not happen, which, uh, you know, is obviously problematic. And so the state protocols just aren't being followed. Also, the state has failed to have any kind of a protocol in drug storage. <laughs> so drugs that maybe perhaps need to be stored frozen or, mm -hmm. you know, in a certain environment have not been. And mm -hmm. they can't verify that what they're doing is going to be humane. And again, constitutionally, regardless of a crime someone has committed, the, we do not subject pris prisoners to cruel and unusual punishment. Even in, Supposedly. Right, <laughs> even in, uh, yeah, even in uh, performing an execution. And so they've been violating all of their own rules, also the Constitution, right and left, because their protocols, even the ones that were in place, haven't really been followed. Yeah. So now the governor has had this stay in place because he has felt like this was not okay. So it's about to expire 
and now they're trying scrambling trying to decide what to do because mm -hmm. they really still haven't fixed their problems so in the next month or so we should see whether he decides to put another stay in place or just uh you know go the newsom route and hold off uh executions in general uh we don't know but tennessee has a big problem on their hands it's one like thing that the uh it's terrible yeah one thing that the uh text exchanges showed was that when they were trying to execute a man named donnie johnson in 2019 mm -hmm. they did not have the drugs needed until the day before his execution and the state spent a thousand dollars for an overnight shipment of one of the sedatives that they needed mm. so they were carrying forward with uh execution they didn't have yep that they were unprepared for and weren't knew they wouldn't have that drug in time to do the required testing on it before it was used and yet mm. they were just marching forward anyway do you think this is just a message that we just need to quit executing people? Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. seems like a no brainer to me anyway, but holy shit, mm -hmm. you know, they also uh, had considered trying to buy drugs internationally since they're so hard to get in the U S <sighs> uh, and eventually scuttled that plan too. But again, they don't have good protocol in place and the ones that they have in place, they're not following anyway. And wow. so it, it constitutionally, they just, they're, they're not following the law at all. And they've opened no. themselves up to be sued like crazy for mm -hmm. executions that they have done that may or may not have, have gone awry because they haven't followed the law. Right. And that's basically what it, it's part of the argument from Lori Vallow's attorneys coming up. We believe is that the laws aren't, aren't being followed. The laws isn't, isn't clear enough. And mm -hmm what's happening here is wasn't isn't the letter of the law anyway so anyway i just felt like this was an interesting and i'll link this in our show notes so that you guys can read the rest of it but uh the other problem with it is that what they have determined now is a three drug system midazolam is the thing that they give the uh, the inmate first midazolam is something that you get a lot of times before you have surgery when they you know, start trying to calm you down and slow you down as they're heading into the operating room with you. Right. And in their own uh, admission, the pharmacist they purchased it from said, this will not be enough to prevent uh, an inmate from feeling, you know, the, this, the other drugs entering their body. This wouldn't be enough to stave off pain and things like that. And they went, huh, yeah, good enough, right? Mm. Yeah. So that's another part of the problem is that that med, while they are able to get it, isn't really, uh, isn't really sound for what they're, what they're doing. So anyway, it's, there's just a lot then, of issues here. And I mean, it, it's like, this is not a doctor making these decisions. Right. Right. Like that's just terrifying, man. Mm -hmm. It is not that any of it is okay, but my God, you know, I mean, that's like, like with Gerald Pizzuto here in mm -hmm. Idaho where he's got to stay again because, mm -hmm. oh, here's a surprise. Idaho doesn't have any drugs. You know, that just keeps happening. But for him, the drug cocktail that Idaho uses will be very painful for him because of some medical conditions of his. Yeah. 
I mean, what, when are we going to get it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When? Yeah. Oh, Utah is bringing back the firing squad. Oh, yeah, because that's not cruel and unusual. I right. mean, come on. Yeah, but they're bringing back the firing squad because they can't get medication. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Gerald Pizzuto wanted it, too. But he yeah, asked. Idaho did. We got rid of the firing squad in 2016. I know. We still had it clear to that point. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I, but he was wondering, like, can we just do that? Because this other thing's going to be super painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jesus. Interesting. So I think these conversations about the death penalty are really important. I think if we're going to be a country that has the death penalty, that we also have to be educated enough and brave enough to have these conversations and to look yeah. the uh, process in the eye. So that's why we keep bringing these conversations to you. Definitely. <laughs> Well, so there the, you go. Tennessee needs to clean it up. Yeah. Well, in every state, you need to look at what your state's doing. If, if you are a death penalty state, what is going on? Because I'll bet mm-hmm. you $100 it's shady bullshit. Because mm-hmm. that's what's going on everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. And so many botched executions and just unbelievably mm-hmm. horrible things have happened in the last few years. Yeah. Oh, it is time for some major change. Indeed. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. Well, this is our Tuesday episode. We will be back on Wednesday with another great episode. There's so much going on right now. We have Uh so much to share. And then we'll be back Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Mountain for our weekly case updates live stream. So don't forget to like, subscribe, share, comment. Check us out on Patreon. We do put out two bonus episodes a month. For uh-huh. our patrons, and also, you know, we've had several people ask us recently, how do you, how do they tip us? How do you support us? Thank us for the work that we've done. Because if you didn't know it, we put out more content last year than ninety nine percent of other true crime podcasters. We did. Spotify shared, us, shared that with uh-huh. us. Uh, but yeah. check out our website, truecrimesquad.com. There's a couple of different ways to. Send us a tip if you appre- if you want to. We do appreciate it. You know, mm-hmm. we, we put a lot of hard work and time into this show. We love it, but we certainly appreciate your support as well. Always. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? We are the True Crime Squad. Thanks for being here. Take care. <laughs>